0: So uh, turn to your Bible today, Matthew seven twenty, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20. We do need, we neglected to say uh, when we gave prayer requests, but I do want to remind you to pray for our election. And, and I'm going to challenge your conventional wisdom a little bit on this. For years I've heard people say, I don't vote for the party, I vote for the person. I think probably a better way to say is I vote for the platform. I vote for what they stand for. Because to be honest with you, if I was voting for the person, a lot of times I wouldn't vote if I was based on the person. But I vote for what they're running on, what they stand for, what they say they're going to do. And I will tell you, for me, uh, I cannot, I cannot in good conscience ever vote for somebody who is in favor of abortion? I just, I just cannot, I cannot do that, and will not do that. And uh, but uh, there's other issues as well. We just, we really need to pray uh, about the direction of our country. And I will tell you, I think who the president is and who our leaders are are extremely important. But I will also say, whoever America elects into those important offices reveals where America is and the problem is not who we elect the problem is where we are as a nation and only God's going to turn that around if we let him do that and seek him so please be in prayer for our nation and this election and also please remember uh, to uh, to give uh, as you're able to do that Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 therefore by their fruits you will know them Therefore, by your fruits, you will know them. Simply entitled today, you shall know them by their fruit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, touch us today. Touch your word. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Help us to grow. And Lord, help your word to be so implanted in our hearts and minds that it grows and yields fruit in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. You know, the Jews, the Greeks, and the Romans in the ancient world all recognized the universal truth that like root, like fruit. Uh, Epictetus said, who was a Greek philosopher, how can a vine grow not like a vine, but like an olive? Or how can an olive grow not like an olive, but like a vine? Seneca, the Roman philosopher, said, declared that good cannot grow from evil, any more than a fig tree can grow from an olive. And of course, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. Now the question is, Is should Christians be fruit inspectors? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I'm not judging, I'm just inspecting the fruit. Have you, you ever heard anybody say that? Should Christians be fruit inspectors? And if the answer is yes, then what do we do with the scriptures uh, that teach us to judge not? Lest we be judged. The scriptures that says with whatever standard or whatever measurement you use to judge others, you yourself are going to be judged by that same standard. In fact, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 is part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And in the beginning of that chapter, he addresses judges. The same uh, chapter that records him saying, you're going to be known by your fruits and by your fruits you'll know them. He talks about judging at the beginning of that chapter. He simply says, verses one and two, judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, when I realize that with well, whatever standard I use to judge others I myself am going to be judged it makes me want to be a little bit more compassionate and understanding to others Um, someone said and I think it's true we judge ourselves by our motives and we judge others by their actions right well that's not what I meant or that's not what my my intent was so what do we do if we're talking about knowing people by their fruits? What do we do with the uh, the scripture? How, what's the balance point to judge not? First of all, I think in for me in uh, Matthew chapter seven there uh, is are three categories of people, and how we interact with those three categories of people is a determiner of 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 uh, of what measurement we use. Uh, First of all, there is category number one, that's our brother, our brother or sister in Lord, in the Lord. Now listen, there are people that take scriptures out of their context and they look for us to apply an ethic to our dealings with everybody when the Lord's intent was the ethic of how we dealt with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Should we be kind to everybody? Should we be loving to everybody? Absolutely. But there's a difference between the way we interact with, with fellow Christians, especially those if we're in the same body of believers. There's a difference the way we interact there. There's a requirement just like I have a greater responsibility to my, my family than I do your family. Should I, should I love your family? Yes. Should I pray for your family? Yes. But do I have a responsibility to care for my family that's greater than my responsibility to care for your family? Well, certainly there is. Certainly there is. You know, uh, Coleman's been teaching on these circles of commitment and closeness to the Lord well, they're, they're, that's the way in life as well. I have a commitment to my family that I don't have to everybody else's family. I have a commitment to those at West Ward Church of God that I don't have to uh, people in other churches. I have a commitment to Christians that I don't have to the world. There, there are those concentric circles of commitment and the ethic that we use in dealing with those becomes different. So there is the category of brothers. And I'm telling you that when the scripture tells us to not judge, it's talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's talking about how we view brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now I'm going to prove this to you because Matthew seven uh, verses three through four uh, through five says this. Picking right up where he said don't judge, he explains what he means. Why do you look at the speck in your what brothers eye? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your what? To your brother. How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. In other words, he's got this little little speck of of, of, uh, of, of a sand in his eye. And you're wanting to get that out and you got a whole you don't just have a, a thorn, you've got a whole plank in your eye. You've got a two by four stick it out of your eye. And you, you're trying to see how to get the little, the little grain of sand out of his eye. How can you do that? And pretty strong word, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And it doesn't even say here that it's wrong to help remove a speck from your brother's eye. He doesn't say it's wrong to help your brother when he's got something in his life that doesn't belong there. He didn't say that. He said, you can't do that whenever you're such a hypocrite. You don't see the the log in your own eye and you're trying to judge him whenever you're in worse shape. First of all, get right with God yourself. Let the Lord fix you up. And then you, you'll see clearly how to help others. So this is not a prohibition against holding each other accountable. How many knows we need people in our lives every once in a while to say, you know what, you've been missing church lately and I miss you. That's not judging somebody. That's being, that's being accountable to each other. That's That's loving on people, right? So he said, Get it out of your own eye and then you'll see how to help your brother. But then there's category number two. And and I'm, I'm, I'm not using this strong language. The Bible uses this strong language. There are dogs. Matthew 7 and 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, if we as Christians, if not judging, meant that we were not to be distinguishing or discerning about people, then how could we know who were dogs? How could we know who were swine? If if this means that we look at everybody, no matter what they do, and just say, well, you know, that's up to them, that's between them and the Lord, and, and, and you know, everything's okay, it doesn't matter how we live, doesn't matter how we do, I'm not going, who am I to criticize? Who am I to judge? Well, right here tells us that we have the ability and should have the ability as Christians to distinguish between a dog and a brother. Right? If we're not able to make that distinction, if it's wrong to make that distinction, why would Jesus tell us to make that distinction? And and we have an extreme lack of discernment if we can't figure out who the dogs are and who the brothers are. If you can't tell the difference between your brother and a dog, you've got a problem. And I think maybe that's the reason that sometimes we have a problem. We treat our dogs more like they're our children. (laughs) We treat our children like they're dogs and treat our dogs like they're children sometimes. So it's a lack of discernment. Let me give you a couple of of, uh, examples of that. Back in the, in the 80s, Larry Flint and Hustler Magazine ran a, 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 a fake article, an advertisement about Jerry Falwell, and it, it was so perverse, I won't even tell you what it was. I won't, I won't even explain it to you, because it's so perverse. But Jerry Falwell sued him. And eight to zero, the Supreme Court upheld Hustler Magazine and Larry Flint and said, that's free speech. Okay? And, and people will look, look at, at dirty pictures, pornography, and they'll say, well, what's the difference between that and going to a museum and looking at the great masters in the art and art whenever they, they show people in the nude? What's the difference between that and pornography? When a society can no longer tell, distinguish the difference between art and pornography, it says something about a society. Right? When we can no longer distinguish the difference between free speech and obscenity, it says something about society. We just know the difference between free speech. I can stand up here and and talk about the government and not be... Uh, worried about being arrested I have free speech but that doesn't mean I ought to be able to stand out in the public square and, and shout obscenities right but our society can't tell the difference we don't know the difference between allowing the press to report the news and allowing a pornographic magazine to write obscene things we we can't distinguish the difference so Jesus said, "We can distinguish between those that are brothers and those that are dogs. Those that are brothers or sisters and those that are swine." Right? So that's category number 2, and then he gets to category number 3, and that is teachers or false prophets. And that's where he says in Matthew 7:15, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." He's saying this uh, this instruction to judge not lest you be judged does not apply to people that are providing spiritual uh, spiritual instruction to you. He's saying for those that are providing spiritual instruction, you need to inspect the fruit to see what the root of their lives is. Because some of them are false teachers, false prophets, that are wolves in sheep's clothing. They say that it, it kind of became, and it kind of was handed down from Elijah, this idea the, the mantle that Elijah wore was probably some type of, of, of hairy skin, and it kind of became the mark of prophets in the Old Testament to wear kind of a, a, sheep, a sheepskin mantle. It kind of became a distinguishing side to her like a clerical like a caller uh, distinguishes um, some ministers. And and I think this may be a, an allusion a little bit to that, but I think even greater, he says, they might look like a sheep, they may have wool like a sheep, they may, uh, you know, ba baw, baw like a sheep, but inside they're ravenous wolves. They're up. The no good. So in that category, Jesus talks about three types of fruit. There's, there is pretense, there is produce, and then there's what I call paltry fruit. So when he talks about these teachers in Matthew 6, 7, uh, uh, 7 and 16, he says, you will know them. Now remember, he just said, beware of false prophets. Who are not sheep, they are they're dressed like sheep, but they're. anybody remember on Saturday morning when you used to watch uh, Bugs Bunny and all, all of the? Remember that sheep dog that was always trying to stop the coyote or the wolf from getting the sheep? And every once in a while, that, that, that wolf would dress up like a sheep, okay, to try to fool that guard dog. He said, There are people that are dressed like sheep, but they're wolves. And he said, How are you going to know them? Verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. By the produce of their life, you're going to know them. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I found this interesting. The Lord spoke when he created heaven and earth. He spoke and out of the ground trees and grass and all all of the trees, fruit-bearing trees, all of them came up out of the ground. And then out of the same ground, he created Adam. Out of the ground. In fact, the word human comes from the word for dirt. In fact, if you want to if you, if you stay grounded, so to speak, you remember that you're dirt. The Lord does. What the psalmist said. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. That's why we have humility is because we know we're from the dirt. All of those words are related there. But when Adam sinned, God cursed the ground. So this is Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Then he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now, listen to this both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. So, before the fall, there wasn't thorns or thistles. So, Jesus said of these false prophets, He said, They're thorns and thistles. They're the produce of of evil intentions. They're part of the devil's crowd. They're not part of God's crowd. So he said, therefore beware of false prophets. They look like sheep, but they're wolves. Now, there was in the Holy Land a a certain thorn. It's called the buckthorn. And it had had a little blackberry on it that to the casual view kind of resembled a grape. There was a a, a a species of thistle that bloomed, and when it bloomed, if you just kind of caught it out of your peripheral vision, that bloom kind of looked like a fig. And Jesus, I think, is saying, not only do thorns produce thorns and thistles produce thistles, I think he's also maybe indicating Sometimes you might, it may look like there's a grape on the thorn bush, but the closer you look, you realize it's not a grape. It may look like there's a fig on the thistle bush, but the closer you look, look that by, by deeper inspection, you realize it's not a fig. How many of you have or have had wax fruit in your house? Anybody ever had wax fruit? Anybody ever eaten it? Okay, It's just there for looks, Right? I don't know what this trend was in the late 70s, but everybody used to have, I don't know if they were made out of plastic or rubber, I don't know what they're made out of, but had those fake grapes, remember that? Everybody used to have those fake grapes. And, and all I knew as a kid is if you'd pull it off there, you chew on it, it was, it was long lasting chewing gum, you chew on it all day. I mean, I, I probably got a few spankings biting those grapes off of there. But they're not real. You know what? At Christmas time, we put ornaments either on a dead tree or on a fake tree. But it's not fruit. And there are a lot of people that approach their Christian life by trying to put ornaments on a dead tree or a fake tree. In fact, they think that's what the Christian life is is sprucing something up and making it look better than it really is. But that's not fruit. Have you ever been to a a restaurant and they have a beautiful uh, tray with all the desserts on it and when you want to order dessert, they bring that tray around and show it to you? Right? Anybody ever seen that? How many knows those desserts, (laughs) they're made out of some kind of Silicon, they're they're not real desserts. That that whipped cream never melts. It looks real, but it's not real. And these false prophets, they might look by first glance, they may look and sound like the real thing. And you don't have a problem till you get to the thorns. But you always get down to the thorns. Prophets in the early church were an inspiration. They were people that were abandoned by God uh, to serve God and the church. But this position, in fact, they didn't have a home. They were just wanderers. They were travelers. It's important for you to distinguish that, that this is just one area of ministry. It was the prophets. And you had apostles and you had pastors and teachers and evangelists. But the prophets were just kind of wanderers. And because of that, it was also very susceptible to abuse. Now, now I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a fourth generation Pentecostal. But how many agree with me that Pentecostal churches are more susceptible a lot of times to charlatans than other kinds of Christians are? Right? Because we believe in the, the free flow of the Spirit we believe, we believe in body ministry. We believe God can use anybody. But sometimes, sometimes we get spiritual granola, don't we? Fruit, flakes, and nuts, right? I mean, that's what we get sometimes. Because we are open to the moving of the Spirit, it also makes it susceptible to those that don't have the right uh, intent. To those that want to gain prestige, those that want to impose on the generosity of a local congregation, those that want to live a comfortable life, even a pampered life in idleness, some of those were attracted to this idea of being a, a prophet. Even today we've got people that are daddy called and mama sent or vice versa. In the early church, about a hundred years into the early church, they came up with a book of discipline or a book of order. It was called, uh, sometimes it's called the Didache or the Didache. And and, uh, it's actually where we get the word from the same root, get the word didactic from, which means teaching. And it was the first book of order in the Christian church. It had regulations concerning these wandering prophets. He said, a true prophet was to be held in the highest honor. He was to be welcomed. His word must never be disregarded. His freedom must never be curtailed. But if he shall remain one day, and if he shall remain one day, if necessary, another day also, but if he remains three days, he's a false prophet. If he goes into a house and he just camps out, he's taking advantage of you. He must never ask for anything but simply bread. If he asks for money, listen to that. Now this this is a hundred years into the church. the The book of order said if that wandering prophet asks for money, he's a false prophet. Boy, that that eliminates a lot of those Jaybirds on TV, don't it? Right there. If he claims to speak in the spirit, there is one acid test. By their characters, a true and a false prophet shall be known. Every prophet that teaches the truth, if he do do not what he teacheth, is a false prophet. If he doesn't practice what he preaches, he's a false prophet. Don't care how charismatic he is, don't care how uh, how talented he is, how great he can preach, how wonderful he can sing, uh, how engaging he is, he might have the best jokes in the world if he doesn't live what he's teaching others to live. He's a false prophet. Whosoever shall say in the spirit, "Give me money or any other things," you shall not hear him. This is again. This is the early order book from the uh, from the early church. If he says in the spirit give me money or any other things, you shall not hear him. But if he tell you to give in the matter of others who have need, let no one judge it. A true prophet, he may, he may speak about you giving to others in need, but if he's feathering his own nest, then he's a false prophet. If a wanderer comes to the congregation and wishes to settle there, if he has a trade, let him work and eat. If he has no trade, consider in your wisdom how he may not live with you as a Christian in idleness. If he will not do this, he is a trafficker in Christ. Beware of such. And this is not a prohibition. The Bible's clear. You don't, you know, you don't muzzle the ox that treads out the uh, corn. The workman's worthy of his hire. Is it does have? I'm not trying to get you to quit paying the preacher at all. All of that. This is with people that without being sent by an apostle, without being called, without being recognized, come into a church and seek to establish themselves. How do you judge those people? You judge them by whether or not they're taking advantage of others. So his point here is, for the people that you and I let sow into our lives, we have the right and the responsibility To judge their fruit. To inspect their fruit. That is not judging other Christians. That is being a wise steward of who you allow to speak into you. Now the next thing, this is the good crowd. There are those that have the produce. This is Matthew 7, 17 and 18. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Isn't it interesting that when we go to the supermarket over there where the fruits and vegetables are, we we even call that the produce department, don't we? Right? Because it's what's produced in us. Now, an apple may be wormy. You, You know what's worse than finding a worm in an apple? Finding, finding a half of one right after you took a bite. A worm may have a, 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 a apple may have a, a worm in it, but it's still an apple. An apple tree may produce for whatever reason inferior fruit, but it's still an apple. An apple tree may be barren, but an apple tree will never produce an orange, right? Might not have good, good fruit, but it'll have, if it has fruit, it won't be a fruit that's not in connection with the root of the tree. First John 3.8, now this is pretty strong now, and this needs to be heard because we're living in a day where people think that we should never make any judgment about where somebody is with the Lord based on their lifestyle. But listen at what 1 John 3, 8 says. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now you say, well you're telling me that I got aggravated with my husband and I told him off that that I'm of the devil? No, but I'm telling you if you're living a lifestyle of sin, The proof's in the pudding. The root of your life is revealed by the fruit it produces. If you are living a sinful lifestyle, you are not of God. Those people that we know, they may claim to know the Lord, they may claim to love the Lord, but if they're living a sinful lifestyle, we're not judging them, God's word judges them. If you sin, you are of God. The devil. And then there is paltry fruit. This is Matthew 7, 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's two kinds of paltry trees, two kinds of trees that don't reach the standard. There are the bad trees. They have bad fruit. And there are the barren trees. Now, a bad tree can either have an internal problem or an external problem. An external problem is things like uh, mold or things like insects. Have you you ever uh, had, how many of you ever had fruit trees of any kind in your yard, pear trees or otherwise? How many knows that, you know, sometimes you, I've, I've gone by houses that sit up under beautiful pine trees, shady pine trees, and, and, and right by them, cut all of them down. And you say, why in the world would they do that? Well, those trees got diseased. Right? So there are things that externally can attack. Insects can attack. Can I tell you, I, cur- I, I currently don't know of any apple... Or anyone that doesn't get a spot on their apple every once in a while? Do you? I don't know of anyone that doesn't get a little speck on their apple every once in a while. Living in this world, we are not perfect. And there's times that we're going to be uh, short-tempered. There's times that we're going uh, to not behave at our best. There's times that we're going to say or do or think something. And the Holy Spirit has to come and kind of tap on our heart and say, you know, that was beneath you. And there's times we have to go back and say, look, I'm sorry I acted that way, right? We get get some spots on our apples from time to time. So there's some external issues that we have. But then there's the internal issue. And that is a root problem. It's not that I'm bearing good fruit that sometimes may have some problems. It's that there's a problem at the root level. So a tree that it bears bad fruit or barren fruit, barrenness. Jesus showed what he thought about barrenness the last uh, week of his life. He passed by a fig tree and he thought there was fruit on it and there wasn't any fruit on it. And he cursed the fig tree. And the disciples came back later on and saw that that fig tree had withered and died. I'm told that the problem with that fig tree is, is that fig trees will go through a season right before they give their early fruit where they, it's indicated by certain blooms and blossoms and leaves And that Jesus probably saw that tree, it looked like it should be bearing fruit. And so he goes and he sees that that tree gave the illusion of being fruitful, but there was no fruit. And he cursed it. I know people, and I'm sure you do as well, I know people that are all leaf and no fruit. I know people that cast a lot of shade. They make an impression. They've got a name. They've got abilities. But by closer inspection, there's no fruit in their life. Right? We're not going to be judged by how pretty leaves we have. Isn't it interesting when Adam and Eve sinned and they wanted to cover their nakedness? what they used was an apron of fig leaves. Right? We hide behind an apron of leaves, but God is not inspecting leaves. He's not expecting leaves. He's inspecting and expecting fruit. Right? That's what he's looking for. And there is... Uh, If there's something wrong with the fruit, that means there's something wrong with the root. It's the root of the problem. Luke 13, six through nine, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But the keeper answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. A barren tree, it needed work on the root level. And look, we've got a choice now in our lives if our lives are barren, we've got a choice. We can submit to the spade, let God dig around our our root, and fertilize us or we will be submitted to the axe. It's the spade or the axe. And so he said, uh, let's try it one more year. Let me, let me work on the root. He wasn't, he wasn't up there in the branches trying to work on the externals out there. He said, the problem's down in the ground. The problem's, I need to dig around the root. I need to fertilize the root. I've got to work on the root of the tree. Now, the Lord is looking for two things. He he is not just judging us on the absence of bad fruit, He's also judging us on the presence of good fruit. And there are people that judge their Christianity by what they abstain from, not what they produce. In fact, most of us were probably raised in an atmosphere where all of the emphasis was on what we abstained from. Now it is for sure that God doesn't want bad fruit in our lives, but it's also for sure that God does want good fruit in our lives. So it's not enough just not to have any bad fruit and be barren, we've got to... We've got to abstain and not have any bad fruit and we've got to have the presence of good fruit. So here's the conclusion of it. How do you know, how do others know what you are? By your fruit. You shall know them, verse 20, therefore by their fruits you will know them. Now listen, we are not talking about salvation by works. That's the exact opposite of what we're talking about. Salvation by works means that me, in my own wit, wisdom, ability, willpower, strength, am trying to be good enough to please God, work hard enough to please God, say no to sin hard enough to please God, say yes do all of the religious things to please God, that I I think I'm earning it by my own ability. That's not the way fruit works. Fruit is something that is produced through us. So God is not, it's not salvation by works, but it is being fruitful. So when we're talking about pleasing God, we're not talking about the fruit of our labor. You remember when Cain wanted to make a sacrifice to God, he brought the fruit of his own labor, right? And God rejected that. He accepted Abel who brought a lamb for sacrifice. We're not talking about the fruit of our own labor. We're talking about the fruit of his labor. We're talking about what he is producing in us and through us. Now here's the problem. A tree is deaf and dumb and has no will. And we're not really trees. We're people. We have a will. So this requires our submission to God's working. It requires our obedience to God's word. It it requires us saying yes to the things he wants us to do and say and be. I'm I'm not erasing our involvement But I'm telling you, at our very best, it's not good enough. I'm telling you, it is the fruit of the Spirit that is produced in us and through us that God is looking for. Because the root determines the fruit, and the fruit reveals the root. If you want to know what the root of somebody's life is, look at their fruit. It'll tell you. If, if, if they're an orange, they come from an orange tree. If they're an apple, they come from an apple tree. If they're a pear, they come from a pear tree. I'm kind of shaped like a pear, a little bit. Right? You just know the root because of the fruit. Now, here's the difference between works and fruit. Now the works of the flesh, Galatians 5:19-23, the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, right? Skip on down. Envy, verse 21, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And the like. Heresies are in there. You say, well, boy, good Christian people, we don't, we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. But listen, when you try to live the Christian life in the works of your own flesh, it also produces things like this. Contentions. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions heresies, envy. See, there, there's, these, there's these big external ones out here that everybody can see. I don't, I don't smoke, I don't dip, I don't chew, I don't run with those that do. I'm, I'm good. How many of us have known people that lived as pure as the driven snow and were about as warm? Right? How many known some, have known some good old saints of God that were the meanest, cold-hearted people? You couldn't stand to be around them five minutes because they were so harsh. Judgment, boy, they looked the part, they lived right, they lived clean. Right? And I will tell you, I, I've known and I, I wouldn't dare, I wouldn't dare say his name, and I'm not going to say too much so you don't figure it out. But I I knew a preacher one time that was famous for getting on the radio and talking about how sorry other Christians were living because they didn't live by his legalistic viewpoint until he backslid, ran off with a woman, and became a drunk. Why? Because the works of the flesh always produce the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are all of these bad things. Let me read them again before we close. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, all of that. But also inward things like contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which i tell you beforehand... Just as I've told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 22, but the works of the Spirit. Is that what he said? But the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That is not working real hard to be good enough. That is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's what the Spirit produces in you and through you. The Spirit does that. Because that the root of your life, the spirit is in control. And it's as, it's as natural as apple trees bearing apples. This is not, I know people that look at that list and with a legalistic mindset, they, they treat it like a grocery list or a to-do list. They say, Well, I got love and I got joy, but I need to work real hard to get more patience. Or I, I, need, I need to work real hard, be, be kinder. Or I got, no, it's not working real hard to achieve. It is if I am lacking. It's not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, if I am deficient in any of those categories, then it means that there is something blocking the flow of, of divine life in my life. That if I am living in the Spirit, those things are produced in me. Now, it doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't work in different categories of my life and reveal things that I need, but the answer to those things, yes, there's some self-discipline that goes along, but the self-discipline only helps as we conform our will to His will. It's not us doing, doing it in ourselves in our own Our own ability. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So how do you know where somebody is spiritually? By by their fruit, you shall know them. Right? Somebody, Somebody doesn't have to look deep into my heart to see whether or not the Lord is there. They don't have to do that. You say, well, I, how many of you have said this? I've said it too about other people. Well, I can't look into their heart. You don't have to. You don't have to see their heart. Just see what they do and it reveals their heart. See how they live. It reveals their heart. Right? And so let me tell you that the way that we should examine ourselves and the way that we should examine those that want to influence us for the kingdom, and I, I hate to tell you this, folks, but there's a lot of people that fill the pulpit that shouldn't be there. And I'm not talking about people that a person has to be perfect, but I am telling you, a person has to be godly, <laughs> right? And I and I'm letting you know, don't 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 get on any old train that's rolling through. Just because it glitters and it sounds good, I'm telling you, we need to inspect the fruit of those that speak in our lives and we need to inspect ourselves to see whether we're in the faith by the presence of our fruit. For by their fruit, you will know them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, Lord, we're praying that you take these simple thoughts and use them, dear Lord. God, I I know that I'm preaching to the choir today. I'm preaching to mature uh, Christians, Lord, uh, that aren't easily deceived and easily fooled, Lord. I, I know that. But I know, God, we all have to be reminded because we're living in a day that unless you shorten the days, even the very elect, if it were possible, would be deceived. And God, we we must, we must have discernment about our own lives and about the lives of others. Lord, help us, oh God, to be loving, yes, and compassionate, yes, but help us to be wise and discerning in Jesus' name. Amen.